Hello everybody, welcome back to Courtside. Um, I've been meaning to get back to this podcast a long time ago, especially during the summer in the FIBA World Cup, which unfortunately I wasn't able to because I was moving to a new place, getting accustomed to classes, and also basketball season starting again for college and NBA pretty soon. So I've been doing a lot of writing for whether that be for the paper I work at or that of blogging, but this was an episode I needed to get out as soon as possible. Damian Lillard traded finally almost close on to say 85 to 80 days since he requested to go on his way to Miami. He gets himself traded, however, not the place he wanted to go, but definitely a place where he'll be happy with in the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm going to go into that trade and basically the whole details about that, what's guaranteed money, what's really going to happen now, moving on for the three teams that were involved. Uh, and of course, the winners, the losers, Miami Heat, definitely the biggest loser in this one, I'll have to say, especially for their fan base who have just been gutted this entire offseason waiting for this decision. And are they kind of like a Miles Morales, you know, are they basically just changing the NBA, just existing in the realm and being a part of this whole trade thing. And again, I'm going to go into that later on in this episode. Maybe a little, you know, just a small piece about the FIBA World Cup. Uh, you know, in sense of like what we saw from the USA team besides the outcome. I still can't believe they lost that bronze game. And again, Canada, phenomenal team. And actually going on to the Paris Olympics next year. And this United States roster will definitely look different. But we'll go into that. But of course, the trade of Damon Lillard. After this, this episode of the Courtside Podcast is brought to you by YouTube channels Hiram Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. Now, Captain Barbo, he has come out of nowhere. This kid is phenomenal. 109 videos in and 13.9 thousand subscribers. And I kid you not, it's been growing really fast. Every single video has been getting better and better. The storytelling is amazing. And if you're someone like me, right, let's say you have a lunch break, middle of the day, or just, you know, not doing anything. On your day off. You need something to watch while you eat. I mean, for me, I can't do anything without YouTube when it comes to eating. Uh, so I'll definitely have put some Captain Barbell there. You got some great videos on that of Demon Souls, Dark Souls Remastered, Outlast Trials, and one of my favorite ones, Dead Space 2. He's making a lot of reruns and looking back some old games. And then, of course, Highway Temptation, the Sonic Reviews are back. They're getting a lot of things for Sonic Crusaders coming out soon. And as well, more content on the way for that channel. So don't sleep on them either. So definitely look out for those two channels on YouTube. And of course, follow the podcast. So for those who have been living under a rock, basically during the offseason, just to kind of summarize where exactly all this Miami Heat and Damon Lillard and this whole trade stuff has been going on. Damon Lillard, who has been with the Portland Trailblazers for his, basically his entire career, almost a decade's time, who has barely even had a lot of playoff success, let alone playoff appearances during his time in Portland, basically said, hey, I'm going to go to a team that is right there missing a piece to make it and win an NBA championship. And the team that was basically next up was the Miami Heat for Damon Lillard. Um, you know, there was a lot of reports saying that he was looking to play with Bam and Abayo as well as join Heat culture and that of Jimmy Butler. And after the Heat basically got bounced out of the NBA Finals five games in, I mean, it was bound to happen. Damon Lillard ended up, you know, breaking the news. I think Shams was the first one to report it off of Twitter, AKX now as it's called, uh, and basically said, I want to go to Miami. 
no other place. I don't feel like hearing any of the offers, right? I want to go to Miami. However, in the sense of a business, right? I mean, let's say that you're you know a big time employee at your company, spent multiple years there. I've done probably the best job anybody can do. And you want to relocate or you want to have a little you know leg room here and there, salary and whatnot. At the end of the day, it's up to your employer. And unfortunately for Damon Lillard, it was up to his employers and the front office and GM of Portland to decide his fate of where he would end up going. And as I mentioned before, for a lot of Miami Heat fans out there who were talking to me saying, oh, it's going to be a different place now in the East. Miami's going to actually have a team that looks to be a contender before the playoffs even start, let alone before midway Christmas Day. I told them, if Bam and Obaya was not part of any of these deals, then there's no leg room. There's nowhere they can do to even convince Portland of making a trade like this. Whether that be three-team, four-team. There is even reports of a potential five-team trade involved with the Miami Heat and potentially maybe even Brooklyn being in the middle of that. But again, more stuff comes out actually now in light after this trade. Apparently, Pat Riley and Miami Heat, we're not looking to get rid of Caleb Martin. We're not looking to get rid of Tyler Hero. We're not looking to get rid of other young core pieces of this Heat team. And I ask you, who would they have gotten, right? Who would they have given away to go get Lillard? And in reality, it was never going to happen. Pat Riley was never going to pick up the phone and say, okay, I'm thinking of this. Pat Riley was never going to budge around. And it's hard for any team to be... You know, and especially in Pat Riley's shoes, where you see your team who don't go through any changes during the offseason make two NBA, basically two NBA final appearances within the past, what, five to four years, which is unheard of for some franchises, especially franchises who are not the best teams during the regular season. But Pat Riley, I mean, he just thinks, hey, why not again? But unfortunately for the Heat, they lost on Max Struess. They decided not to pay for. Gabe Vincent, who was a starter and gave pretty good effort through last year's playoffs, they lost some big role player guys, and now they're going to have a roster where you know everything has collapsed because of this news. But I'm going to go into that after going into the trade itself, what broke around 2 to 2.30 evening time, Eastern Coast time here. Uh, we have the full details in bold. Damon Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. And also in part of this three-team deal, this including, of course, Portland and the third team, the Phoenix Suns, who honestly, I didn't really think for a second they would really get involved just because, of course, how that roster is built around now where they had to deal with, you know, getting Bradley Beal on the team, now Kevin Durant on the team, and then, of course, Devin Booker and all of them. But I guess some things needed to come out with DeAndre Ayton because I know they were trying to shop away DeAndre Ayton for at least a year and a half by now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from the looks of it, they were able to get that job done, and they really did. I mean, they got a lot out of it. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, they got Joseph Nurkic, who's been the big guy over there in Portland, Grayson Allen, as well as Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. So four players overall, and I would have to say it does make a pretty good bench for a team like Phoenix that was missing a lot of death just because of the trades they were doing, especially with Bradley Beal. Uh, and then Portland, who, again, didn't want to really listen a lot to Miami, was honestly, I thought, really active, more active than I thought they would ever be in the sense of listening to deals. They even went out to Toronto to listen to some stuff. But Portland 
they got the better side of the stick, I would have to say myself. Now, Portland, they do get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Aiden from Phoenix, Tomani Kamara. I might be mispronouncing some of these names, so I do apologize. And then as well, a few draft picks in the middle. 2029 Milwaukee first round pick, 2028 and 2030 first round swap rights with Milwaukee as well. And all these picks are unprotected. However, three, yes, count them, three first round selections in the future for Portland. And these are coming in time where, you know, they can really do some scouting, right? They can really do some scouting, look exactly what's going on. This is going to be a first round pick for next year where you have to hustle and try to, you know, basically tank. You know, and I would have to say, in a league where tanking is impossible to do with so many in-season tournament, play-in tournament, and whatnot. So this is a huge one for Portland. They're able to get a couple of first-rounders for their near-sight future. And then as well, they get a big, which they can develop into something very special. Because I think DeAndre Aiden still has a lot left in him. And this is a guy, first-round pick in his draft class, let alone... He has a big. He had a big showing in the NBA Finals when Phoenix was there in 2021. I thought so, and I'm pretty sure he's willing to prove himself again in Portland now. Now, the interesting part about this, Drew Holiday, because Portland has made a big emphasis about keeping their young core around Scoot Henderson. They're going to try to shop away Holiday, and funny enough, the Miami Heat, yes, the Heat, who missed out on Lillard, are now trying to rebound and get Drew Holiday. How is that going to look like trade-wise? I'm not too positive. I'm not too positive. But I also did some crunching of the numbers, though. So currently reported and structured. Uh, I actually got this information from Keith Smith, NBA, who does a lot of great stuff uh, covering the NBA on Twitter and, of course, as well on his own uh, platforms. However, the trade exceptions, uh, kind of the financial side of things, Portland, $8.8 million for Damian Lillard, Phoenix, $6.6 million. For DeAndre Aiden and 1.1 million for Tomani Kamara. And again, I might be mispronouncing the name, so I do apologize. So could change the deal, maybe adjust it, expand it, whatnot. But financially, I think this is great for all around. I mean, Milwaukee, you get another superstar besides Middleton to put right beside that of Giannis. The Phoenix Suns, they put a little bit of better bench and depth on their roster. And biggest thing of all. Portland left away with a trade of their franchise player for so many years that actually makes sense. And I think that's the biggest thing because usually in these situations, you lose terribly. And again, I don't think this is a huge win for Portland. They're losing a guy like Damian who was averaging 30 points per game not too long ago, let alone is a top five, top three point guard in this league today, right? And a franchise player that has touched the community and as well a West Coast kid. So, it's unfortunate for the Trailblazer fan base, and I really do believe this does shape up the NBA. And I'm not saying that in the sense of, you know, a specific team, a specific... No, I'm saying like the NBA. Damian Lillard is in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not saying Milwaukee's a contender automatically because they were already a contender, but this is a super team and a half. This is a team... I would definitely watch out if I'm the Boston Celtics, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, if I'm, you know, the Miami Heat, New York Knicks, whoever you want to name, this is a team of the East. And again, we have to see some actual basketball playing going on before we get to any predictions, I would have to say, because I'm not going to, you know, write down 
Bucks in six or anything like that, how some people are doing already on Twitter. But I'm just saying Milwaukee is definitely a favorite in my eyes out of the East. And maybe that takes some pressure off of teams like the Celtics who have always been favorites or pressure off a team like, you know, Philadelphia where like the eyes are not always on them now. But this is definitely going to be a team in Milwaukee. I am anticipating that there will be three All-Stars. Actually, scratch that. Brooke Lopez has a crazy year. Four All-Stars. Max. It will be a very interested roster. And a roster that has no bench. So, of course, that was kind of one of the biggest things that they had issue-wise in the first round when they lost against the Miami Heat in through five games, nonetheless. But, yes, so they don't have a lot of bench. And who knows exactly what will happen because there have been teams who have been successful going through seven-play rotations, making it to the NBA playoffs, and, of course, making it deep all the way to the NBA Finals. But looking at now the Miami side, because I think it's really interesting, though. The Miami Heat held off everything that they could during the offseason. They didn't go after any other big names. They didn't go after the Phillips and roster spot, but the good key guys. They didn't bring back any of their role player guys, such as Max Drews, who I believe took a three to four year deal with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers for about 60 to $61 million. And as well, Gabe Vincent, who instead of taking... Eight and a half million a year annually with the Miami Heat decided to go on for more money, eleven million annually with the Los Angeles Lakers. And again, good for these players who are finally getting paid uh, for being some probably some of the biggest moments in the past three years in the NBA. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Miami Heat they've been unable to really successfully get anywhere uh, during this offseason. However, they did make some moves right when the news broke of Lillard, which. You know, of course, it's expected. I'm pretty sure they're holding off a lot of things. I mean, let alone they're holding off the number zero for their jersey. Now, Josh Risson, it is confirmed he will be wearing the number zero for the Miami Heat. But also, we have for the Miami Heat, they waived, you know, a couple of players. One of them being Caleb Daniels, which I thought was making a couple of waves over there uh, right before trading camp was about to hit. Uh, but they ended up signing John Elmore as well as Czech Dalio. Uh, one of the actually, one of the things I was really interested about. RJ Hampton makes his way back to Florida. I mean, he was originally, well, not originally, but formerly, he was an Orlando Magic player in the NBA, but he ends up now coming back to the Sunshine State, signed as a two-way player so on a two-way contract. So RJ Hampton is back in the state of Florida this time with the Miami Heat. So maybe a sleeper signing. You know, I mean, the Miami Heat are very known for that, whether that be of that of James Ennis, whether that be of... Uh, you know, what we know now of a uh, Highsmith, but, but yeah, so the Miami Heat, they ended up going out of their way, fill up the roster spots, and is this a playoff team? Is Miami still a playoff team? I, again, I'm not going to really say any guarantees just yet until I get to see some sort of basketball, preseason basketball, something we've been hearing in training camp, right? But this Miami Heat team, I'll have to say, it's, it doesn't have that same feel. You know, where you have, like, last season where it's like, oh, as long as we make the playoffs, we'll be fine. You know, oh, as long as Jimmy Butler is going to be. But, like, it's not going to have Kayla Moore 19 a game type of feeling, right? It's not going to have Gabe Vincent on fire type of game. It's not going to have a Max Struess or Duncan Robinson off the screen giving you 50 to at least 60% from perimeter shooting type of feel. This Miami Heat team going to the season has a feel of a shell. A hollow, hollow shell in its offense and its identity. 
Now, of course, that can easily be fixed with the help of Tyler Hero and Bam and Abayo, who I think are going to take an insane jump into this next season. Bam and Abayo has been more aggressive, playing isolation ball, and definitely has not shied away from our opportunities, let alone challenges, such as playing against the MVP of the association in Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals, out of all the stages in the NBA. So he will definitely be ready for that. Tyler Hero coming off at a hand injury, and of course, I can't even imagine the sigh of relief of Tyler Hero right now. He must be breathing. <laughs> he must be breathing the best air that there is, knowing that he's going to stay in South Beach. Uh, but this will definitely be a different Miami Heat team. But now, going into, I think the craziest thing is Damon Lillard because I'm not saying no one knows who Damon Lillard is. Again, like I never met Damian. I don't think there's a lot of people out there who have talked about him throughout this entire fiasco, trade talks, and everything like that has even seen or, or heard about what he says personally. I mean, all I knew going throughout this entire offseason was that Dame wanted to go to the Heat, and there was a bunch of reports that said, oh, this team said this, oh, talks started up, talks have been slow, this and that. You know, no one really knows exactly what Dame's thinking about. But we got a little bit about that through Damian Lillard. But the funniest thing, and again, this is as, you know, in a unique way, Damian Lillard way, we got it from his new single, Farewell, which is kind of a goodbye to the Trailblazer fan base, the Portland Trailblazers franchise, and kind of talks about a lot of, you know, basically what has been going on the entire offseason, whether that be the NBA draft of Scoot Henderson, whether that be, you know, what's been going on with deals and everything. Some of the, the biggest verses, though, I would have to say, there's three of them. Uh, one of them, actually a lot of them have been posted on Bleacher Report, which did catch my eye uh, for recording this podcast. But one of them, I continue leaving trails, but won't be for the Blazers. So that's one. He's he's continued leaving trails. So, you know, again, he's, you know, doing breaking records, whatnot, but it won't be for the Blazers. So th- this will probably be, you know, the only time we get to hear him talk about the Blazers in the sense of the franchise. And it looks like he's not coming back to that franchise anytime soon. Maybe... Never in his career. I can never be replaced. They'll know sooner than later. And that was again from his new single, Farewell. I can never be replaced. They'll know sooner than later. Definitely talking about Scoot Henderson. I don't even think he's even trying to hide it. Uh, maybe, you know, he might be even talking about if they try to put in, you know, a guy from the trade or whatever. I mean, again, maybe this is all, maybe the entire single was made, you know, a month prior, right? But either way, it definitely does say something, whether that be for a new player coming in from the trades, whether that be an all-star they're looking at, or maybe just Scoot Henderson and the young cast that they have right now. And then the last one that really got me, just know that what I left is better than what I inherited, which is very, very true. Damon Lillard, multiple-time All-NBA, multiple-time All-Star, and he never really got past that Western Conference Finals. So I think he only had one appearance in the Western Conference Finals, which he got beat pretty badly against the Golden State Warriors. I forgot what year that was. I want to say 2018, 2017. I might be wrong about that. Uh, but I do remember that season, though. That was a pretty interesting Portland team. But, yeah, for the Trailblazers, this is a new this is a new era. DeAndre Aiden, Scoot Henderson. Now you have to find yourself in, you know, the sharp, you know, does he get himself involved now? And again, that was a kid I remember in the NBA draft where had no collegiate experience from high school to the NBA type of stuff. 
it's going to be difficult. It'll be a tough road, which I as mentioned before with the draft picks they were able to get being as early as 2028. It's good because they can really think about it. They can see in the sense span of, you know, two to three to four, whatever years that they need. Like, hey, maybe this kid over here in college right now, this kid in Duke, UNC, whatnot in the SEC, you know, they can really look at the future now. I mean, for Portland, they're not going to be making the playoffs anytime soon. Give it at least four years. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Four years in the Western Conference. The way the West is looking like right now, if you're not even beating out New Orleans, you're not even making it close to the play-in tournament. That's the way I'm seeing it. So Portland, definitely for those fans, give it some time. This is going to be a rebuild for the next three years. Get comfortable with the Summer League. Get comfortable with seeing the team. If you're a West Coast fan, seeing the team during your daily time. And then going to sleep around 9 o'clock. And if you're an East Coast fan, get ready to be disappointed by midnight. It's not going to be all good in Portland. And I'm I'm saying this not, you know, not as like, you know, look into the future. I'm saying this as a fact. It's not going to be good in Portland. DeAndre Aiden's going to have to figure himself out. Scoot Henderson's going to be a rookie. And there's going to be a lot of young guys. They're going to have to try to find themselves in one of the most weirdest and difficult conferences, I would have to say right now in current NBA, in the Western Conference. Also, my apologies if you're hearing like a bunch of rumbling and stuff in the background. I mean, my house, not house, but apartment place is right next to the road. I don't know if you can hear those cars, but but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so again, for Portland fans, definitely give us some time. For Heat fans, you know, you definitely lost out during this offseason and now you're, you know, stuck basically trying to figure things out and for Damon Lillard fans welcome to Milwaukee welcome to Milwaukee uh when I looked at the Milwaukee Bucks starting five roster I thought this is going to be very difficult for any team to defend uh but I can't imagine the offense is going against this team and Milwaukee was already you know a big size team played great defensively had one of the best defenders in the league last year in Brook Lopez and of course Giannis Antetokounmpo who is a blocking machine and definitely you know a full force. But they do lose that a little bit with the switch of Drew Holiday out there. Um, but when you look at the starting five, and this is at least my projected starting five, I'm looking at it right now in the sense of Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Bobby Portis at the four. I think that'll probably work out pretty well with Brooke Lopez at the five. That's a good lineup. That's a really good lineup. But Bobby Portis, he had a pretty good summer. Pretty good summer playing in FIBA basketball, which of course I'll go into later on, not too, not not, not too far from that. But uh, before I even go into that, I mean, I just I just really want to talk about that roster, right? Malik Beasley is on the bench there, six man probably. I would have to say Jay Crowder is on that bench as well. Besides that, I mean, you can put a toss up, put a coin, right? Whoever makes that rotation, if the Milwaukee Bucks end up finding a way to get a big man. And again, this could be any big man, like bowl, bowl, if possible, type of stuff. Taco fall type of stuff. They should be set. They should really be set. I'm just curious about rotation-wise because teams that are really good in the sense of the starting five and have like a good big three, they still need a bench to really push themselves, especially in today's NBA where almost every team has two, at least two all-stars. And especially in the Eastern Conference, at least two all-stars. You know, wasn't really an all-star, but I still think he should have been an all-star last year. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, James Harden, Joel Embiid, as long as that would last. 
Might even talk about that later on in this podcast. Again, I haven't really talked about a lot of stuff during the summer. Man, I should have been making a lot more podcasts. I apologize for that. But the point is I'm trying to make, they need a bench. And only time will tell if they will make some moves before the start of this season. But now just touch a little bit, you know, knowing that we've gone through at least one-fourth of an hour going through the whole Damon Lillard stuff and how that kind of affects other teams. I just want to talk a little bit about FIBA basketball, man. I love the fact that we get to see this stuff for free, too. And, of course, it was on ESPN+, Plus, but I was able to find a little website here and there, you know what I mean, as per usual. Uh, Serbia looked incredible. I thought that the fact they were even in the final was incredible. Um, and then, I mean, I even know, and I, this it is one of the most controversial things I would have to say during the entire tournament. U.S. national guys playing for other countries, like Carlton Towns playing for the Dominican Republic, Eric Gordon playing for the Bahamas. I mean, I'm not too mad about it, right? You know what I mean? I'm not going to, you know, act like, oh my goodness, Carlton Towns is playing for the DR. Somebody should get him back to the U.S. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that Carlton Towns you know, ruin the U.S.'s chances or nothing like that. But definitely would have been helpful <laughs> if he was on this team because the rebounding was the biggest issue for the U.S. during the FIBA World Cup. Uh, but yeah, so for those who do not know, the FIBA World Cup was during this entire summer, mainly the best parts of August and early September. The United States went through exhibition games, went through the group stage pretty easily. And I would have to say so for myself, there's spotlights in the middle of that. I mean, Anthony Edwards, basically MJ of his day, you know, bracing the number 10, which is a huge part in U.S. basketball on international soil. He played phenomenal for the first part of those few games. Honestly, I thought that he was going to be the best player throughout the entire tournament. But something happened in the middle. Austin Reeves got really hot out of nowhere and apparently has a bunch of fans in the Philippines. And also a shout out to the Philippines. That was a great venue. And also, this is a great host. I thought they really loved their basketball there. Uh, but yeah, Austin Reeves was a big fan favorite. Uh, statistically, he was one of the better players for the first half during exhibition matches. Uh, Mikel Bridges, I thought, really elevated his game. Actually was leading the team, you know, ending off the tournament as they uh, ended up fourth throughout the entire World Cup. And, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought Jaron Jackson Jr. in the mix of Anthony Edwards was really interesting. Like two aggressive guys going inside. I thought that was a really great matchup. And Jalen Brunson was just a 50-50 seesaw. But when he was on, he was on. I mean, we're talking 20-point games, flamethrower type of stuff. Um, But one thing that just pops at me. Well, I'll have to say two things. You know, one of them is just a team thing. This USA team was terrible against boxing on rebound against the aggressive, as per expected, the aggressive Eastern European teams, such as Lithuania. They got dominated by Lithuania in the first quarter of their game, which I was want to say they were even qualified, so the game really didn't even matter. But it did matter in the sense of seeding, uh, which actually kind of helped them out because they didn't have to go face uh, Germany early on. But but yeah, I mean, they got boxed out against a lot of those type of teams. Uh, and a lot of their losses came due to leaving offensive rebounds and not being able to guard in transition. And again, this is from my takes of it. But the one player I just felt really disappointed about was Brandon Ingram. 
Brandon Ingram came into this wearing that number seven. I'm thinking to myself, man, is that Kevin Durant on, on the court? You know, and again, he already had that, you know, comparison going from college into the NBA. And I'm already thinking, man, this he's going to have a hell, this is going to be the summer. Like, he's 25 years old. Like, you know, he's basically Jason Tatum age range, right? He's basically right there where, you know, he's got to make a push somewhere, somehow. You know what I mean? Like, if Julius Randle is doing it in New York and all these other guys around his age, he's got to be the franchise name, especially with Zion always missing out. And, you know, there are moments like that during the NBA regular season with the Pelicans. He's had that before. But I just thought, man, this is, he should be a top three player on this roster. I didn't see that. In the beginning of it, there was moments. But later on, head coach at the time, which of course will probably be for the further future, especially with Greg Popovich retiring from the USA basketball program, Steve Kerr decided, hey, Tyler Halliburton gives us a better chance. Let's go out for him. What? Tyler Halliburton? You're struggling against teams rebounding in size. And you want to go on a smaller sense. Not saying Halliburton's, you know, again, he's very talented as he is. And definitely does deserve everything that he does get from Indiana. But Brandon Ingram, you, you don't want any size on the floor. You don't want to. You don't want to match up in the post like that. You don't want to get guys defensively. So it was definitely a liability. But that liability, you know, it was appointed for because they ended up having a better offense with Halliburton on the floor. Like Brandon Ingram, he didn't. Again, I don't have the stats right in front of me, and this was a while ago, but. Brandon Ingram, who was a starter at first, ended up going off to the bench. And I'm just a little disappointed about that. I wanted to see more from Brandon Ingram. I really was hoping that Brandon Ingram could become this player during the summer and then have that elevate his game and hopefully the Pelicans to make it a playoff spot for next year. Similar to what Jason Tatum did with the Celtics where he goes to the NBA Finals. Similar to what... Bam and Abayo did when he won the Olympics, and he was basically a different player when he came back. I was hoping to see that, and same thing with Devin Booker. I was hoping to see something like that, where like he takes that next step on international soil and brings it over to the U.S. domestically in the NBA. I didn't see that, and you know, does this foreshadow something for New Orleans? I'm not too positive. I don't think so, but it was definitely a concern, and especially for U.S. basketball. But leaving that of the FIBA World Cup and now looking to the Paris 2024 Olympics, it's gotten really exciting now. LeBron's coming. Durant's coming. Curry's coming. I think every person out there, Draymond Green invited him himself. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to have him, why not? So, and also Jason Tatum. So this was going to be a very, very interesting Olympic coming up soon. And... Another redeemed team, and I hate to say that because I feel like we always say a redeemed team whenever the United States, you know, wins something that's not gold, right? Bronze, whatnot, nothing. Is it a redeemed team? I don't know. I'm not going to call it that. I mean, the United States didn't even win the last FIBA World Cup. It was Spain last time. And funny enough, Spain didn't even make it out of the group stage. Or I mean, think about France. Speaking of which, France is very, very disappointing. But then again, if your best player is Rudy Gobert, I mean, you're expected to be disappointed. Either way, United States, they're going to be back very soon, and definitely look out for the Olympics. And that's all the time we have for this episode of Courtside. I thank you again for tuning in, and if you're 
you know, if you like some of the things I've been saying on this podcast or just interested in some NBA talk, I have this thing going on throughout the entire NBA season, which of course will be starting later on in October. So definitely give us a follow on Spotify and other streaming platforms, but I'll see you guys for the next episode.